Welcome to Playing Big, a podcast about what it means to play big in life and in business, and about changing the world with big ideas and big action. I'm your host, Blaine Fyan, Chief Evangelist here at True Footage, and I'd like to welcome each and every one of you to Playing Big. In this episode, as we quite often do on this show, we are going to talk about business building. I mean, why wouldn't we, right? And of course, as we do, we are going to lay out five levels, actually six. I'll let you in on a secret. There's a sixth one. It's a secret one. You got to listen to the end for it. But five primary levels of business development so that you can figure out where your business might be. Or maybe said more succinctly, where you might be as the owner in the process. You know, we have a saying around here. If you are the biggest cog in your machine, you are also the biggest clog in your machine. So the five levels, the sixth secret one to be added on at the end, the five levels that we're going to be talking about on the show, they won't necessarily tell you exactly what to do. You've still got to kind of do that on your own. But those five levels will help you rethink how you might or might not be evolving the business, which is, of course, what we're primarily always talking about here. Now, I understand fully that not everybody wants to evolve or grow their business, and that's absolutely okay. You can still keep listening to the podcast. I think you'll get some value from it. Even those people that, that you know, they say, yeah, I'm, I'm done growing. I just, I just want to kind of coast. Uh, that's okay. You can still gain some insights into things that you might be doing different or could be doing differently to help in some small or potentially big way. It also might inspire you to maybe grow in a different area where you, you learn a new definition of growth or scale from this podcast that maybe you hadn't thought about. So what we're talking about today are the five D's. D as in David, dog, dastardly. Five D's of a business. The doing, the deciding, the delegating, and the designing and directing phases of your business. Now, full disclosure, I learned these D's from Mike Michalowicz. He is the creator and the author of The Profit First System. He wrote the book, The Pumpkin Plan. Uh, He wrote a great book called Clockwork. And in that book, Clockwork, is where he discusses four of these Ds. Now, you know me, if you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time, I'm never satisfied with uh, just taking things right from a book. I always analyze them. I always see how they can be applied. And then I think to myself, could there be others? Could this be altered in some way? And well, I found a way to alter it and I think make it more complete. He talks about four of the Ds. So after learning the four Ds, which are really just ways to say and look at things that we've been teaching and talking about for years, both on this podcast and in our coaching. But I had a real learning moment, and I had a bit of an epiphany. The learning moment that I had was around the second and the third D in Mike Michalowicz's four Ds, the deciding and the delegating parts of the business. And I've since added my own D, which is the directing part of the process, and I'll tell you about the sixth D at the end of the, the, uh, this podcast. So I'm going to share with you my epiphany because I think this will help many of you in how you think through your processes. If you've been studying the topic of business growth and development, you will be very familiar with the concept of delegation of tasks and responsibilities. The power of delegation is immense. And and quite often, it's one of the most important aspects of freeing yourself from the day-to-day stuff that keeps you trapped in an endless cycle of doing, which is the first D in the process, doing, deciding, delegating. However, I realize that most people get the delegation part wrong and how we can fix that, which we'll talk about later in the show. That's where, again, I had one of my greatest epiphanies as I was reading through or listening to the book on Audible. So what are the five Ds? Let's get it right out of the way. 
And how can knowing them help you run a better business, make more money, live an enjoyable life, and build something that is scalable and saleable? I would like you to remember those two words because what we talk about often, what I coach on almost every single day, is building something that is saleable and scalable, or scalable and saleable. Even if you say, well, Blaine, I don't want to scale my business. I say, it's okay. You should still think in terms of scaling it because it will help you create systems and processes that help you lead a better life and probably a more profitable organization, even if you never decide to grow it or scale it. Your business should still be scalable and saleable. So the five Ds are, again, I said them at the beginning. I'll say them again. Doing, so that's you the doing the stuff, the deciding, and I'll talk about that, the delegating or delegation part, and then the designing and directing phases. I added the directing part, which are phases or functions within a business. If you read the uh, E-Myth by Michael Gerber, E-Myth Revisited, same author, he talks about functions within a business. Every business may not have a person doing all those functions, but every business has those functions. Quite often, it's the CEO, the founder, the owner doing all of those functions and wearing all those hats. The goal should always be, in my opinion, to move as quickly from the doing phase of the spectrum, the beginning, to the other side of the spectrum, the designing and directing of the business and towards the sixth D, which again, I'll share with you at the end. My goal whenever I'm working with somebody, typically a small business person, is to move them from the doing of the work to the designing and directing of the work being done. Obviously, the insinuation is that somebody else is doing that work. Now, not that everybody has to get to the designing and the directing phase, but to at least know that if you don't get there, you will always be somewhat stuck in the doing, the deciding, and the delegating phases. Which You might go your whole life never reaching or even aspiring to reach the designing and the directing phases of your business. But if you don't at least know about them, it's very difficult to get there and free yourself from the day-to-day grind of the doing. Have you ever traveled somewhere? Maybe you saw it in a magazine or you saw it somewhere. Maybe a, a, a travel agent said, oh, you should go see uh, Puerto Rico. And you go, mm, oh, okay, whatever. And then you fly to Puerto Rico and you go, holy cow, why has nobody told me about this? It's not until you see something that quite often is it believable to you. And then, and then your whole world opens up. I've done a lot of traveling around the world in the last 30 plus years. My mind has been expanded greatly by traveling to other cultures. Well, it's the same thing in business. When you get exposed to something, your mind expands. And as they say, it can never go back to the way it was before it was expanded. So what we try to do with these concepts is just expand your thinking in a way. If you've never think through, you should always be looking. One of the greatest things you could be doing when you work on your business and not, you know, when you can pull yourself from working in the business for even an hour or two a week, it should be to expand your mind, to be able to open up yourself and your mind and your vision to concepts that maybe you hadn't been exposed to. The more you expose yourself to new ideas, new thoughts, new ways of doing things, the more your brain is expanded and you can grow. So let's talk about the first D, the doing part of the business and the work. Almost every entrepreneur begins their journey in this phase. Again, to, to use Michael Gerber, he, he describes this in the e-myth as the entrepreneurial seizure. This is when somebody gets sick of working for somebody else for whatever reason. This happens in the appraisal business all the time. They get sick of working for somebody else. They think they can do it better than the boss, and they set off to start a business doing the thing that, the, the, doing the thing that they do day to day, but they do it now for somebody else. So instead of doing it for somebody else, they go, I'm going to do it on my own. And thus, a small business is born. And I use the word business loosely. 
Again, those of you who've listened to this podcast for any period of time know that I don't call those businesses. You just earned yourself a job. You just started a job. Doesn't really become a business until you can take multiple weeks off and you get paid, um, you know, even when you're not working and all these other things. But the entrepreneur is typically the one doing the the doing all day, every day. You're doing the doing. And the business is essentially a job, just one with their name on the paperwork and all the risk on their shoulders. And this is the vast majority, by the way, of real estate appraisers. It's the vast majority of, say, bakeries, of auto mechanics, of many small cafes and restaurants. I have a good friend that his family owns a a bunch of restaurants here in our town, last name Brand, B-R-A-N-N. And although they have multiple restaurants and they have lots of employees, he is wearing that apron Every single night, closing the restaurant almost every single night, sweeping floors, cooking in the kitchen when they need. I mean, he's a great owner, in my opinion, but he's still doing this 40 plus years later. Now, he loves it, so it works well. But if you didn't like it and you still had to do all that stuff, well, he basically just has a job. In fact, let me, let me share some stats with you on small businesses. I got these from, from a website called Team Stage. of people start a business because they want to be professionally independent. Professionally independent. Personal funds are the main source of funding for 77% of entrepreneurs. That means only 23% of entrepreneurs get some money, some funding from somebody else. 77% of entrepreneurs dig into their bank account or their savings to start their business. Entrepreneurs, on average, work 52 hours a week. You, like me, probably know many entrepreneurs that work 60, 70, 80 hours a week, but they're taking averages. This is the problem, by the way, with averages. Averages take the low, averages take the high, and then they average things out. But we don't live in the averages. We live our own lives. Continuing on with the stats, 48% of entrepreneurs are happy. Now, I don't know how, I don't know what the stats were that they utilized to to determine that or the questions that they asked, but that's the stats. 48%. how many, I think the, the team stage stats said several thousand entrepreneurs were given these, this survey or these questions. 48% of them are happy. That means 52% are not so happy. 25% of entrepreneurs are struggling to find qualified employees. Um, and my guess in 2022, uh, May of 2022 now, that number would probably be 50, 60, 70% because we know that there is a severe worker shortage. So whenever this particular survey was sent out, it was only 25% struggling to find qualified employees. It's considerably, probably three times that right now. The average startup capital, $10,000. The median income of an entrepreneur, I thought this was interesting, $59,000. Median, that's in the middle. Female entrepreneurs own 9.9 million small businesses in the U.S. I think that's awesome. A staggering 99.9% of the millions of companies in America are small businesses. 99.9% of the millions of companies in America are small businesses. Now, again, they didn't necessarily say what qualifies as a small business, but I would assume it's you know under 20 employees or something like that. Maybe it's under 50. Uh, last stat. of business owners started their companies from scratch. 83.1. I don't know what the qualifications are for that either, because that means, what, 16.9% of business owners started their companies, what, not from scratch? They, They inherited them, they were given them, or something like that. So those are some interesting stats. Now, if not out of sheer necessity at the beginning, 
uh, I would say it's typically out of a lack of business building skills that when an entrepreneur starts up a business, the, the founder has to keep doing that role, at least at the beginning. Now, not that that's a bad thing initially. It just shouldn't be where one remains forever. What, somebody shouldn't leave an auto mechanic shop and say, I can do this better. I'm going to start an auto mechanic shop and I just want to be an auto mechanic the rest of my life. Somebody could, they could say, I love to do that. But understand when you are running a business, what if something happens to you? It shouldn't be where one remains forever if they want to have more than just a job. And most entrepreneurs start a business not to necessarily have a job long-term. They may have to do that initially, but it's for more freedom. It's independence. Remember, remember the stat that we told you, number, number, first, number one stat. 55% of people start a business because they want to be professionally independent. They want to be independent of their boss. And then they get a boss, and as Michael Gerber says, they're the boss and they're working for a jerk. He uses a stronger word. So again, not a bad thing at the beginning. Just shouldn't be where one wants to remain forever if they start a business. So if you're trying to build something of real, of real value that can sustain you, feed you and your family, and give you what you wanted in the first place, which, which was professional independence, we call that freedom, then you owe it to yourself to consider the other Ds in this process and how to move through them. That's what this whole episode is about. So the first D is the doing. That's the beginning phase. It's you doing all the appraisals, you doing all the car fixing, it's you doing all the baking. So the next D in the process is what Mike Michalowicz calls the deciding phase. Now, this is where I had an epiphany. This is what I want to share with you. The deciding phase is where you realize that you can't do it all yourself. So you hire some people. Now, maybe they're people to help with back office tasks, front office tasks. Maybe they're the other doers of the thing like you, other mechanics, other bakers, chefs, cooks, uh, other appraisers, uh, apprentices, trainees, whatever it might be. And they're there to help you. And it's very welcomed help, at least at first. At first, you realize just how much you were doing because the new hires start to take some of the things off your plate. That's one of the benefits of hiring help initially. After all, you've been listening to some great business building podcasts and they have been screaming at you about the power of delegation and how you must automate, delegate, or eliminate almost everything that can be. We say that all the time. You hire some folks, you pat yourself on the back for following through on that delegation piece of the puzzle. However, something interesting happens. You realize that you've just added a level or a layer of complexity to the mess because all of your task rabbits, that's what we call them, are now coming to you daily, maybe hourly, with questions and problems to be solved. Because remember, this entrepreneur, they weren't necessarily a great leader or even a great manager. They're just maybe good at what they, what they were doing, the first D of the process. And so they hire people, but they don't necessarily know how to truly delegate. And it's in that realization that many small business owners say, screw it. I'm just going to do it myself because it's easier that way. I'm tired of trying to manage all these people. I've got to do all their stuff and all my stuff. That's why leadership is so important to study. The problem with this thinking is that that's not what true delegation looks like. That's why Mike Michalowicz calls it the deciding phase. So what I just described is the process of creating more decisions for yourself. It's called the deciding phase for that reason. This is the epiphany I had. He, he framed it so perfectly because it's happened to me. It's probably happened to you. 
we don't necessarily learn to give our people full ownership of the process and the mistakes that they might make. So they're constantly coming to us, coming to you for the answers on the things that they don't want to get wrong. Especially if you're not really good at managing and leading and you chastise them for getting stuff wrong. I've done this many times myself, made that mistake. And then they get fearful of making the same mistake. So then you get constant calls or constant people coming into your office. Hey, I don't want to screw this up again, boss. And now you're making hundreds of little decisions that you have to make throughout your day and your week. These were things you previously handled yourself without missing a beat. You didn't even have to think about them. It's like driving. You, you can put makeup on, you can listen to the radio, you can chew gum, you can smoke a cigar, you can do whatever. You don't have to think about it because it becomes rote. But now you have to stop. You have to listen to the issue. You have to stop what you're doing called task switching where you leave a little bit of the residue of what you were doing back on the old task and now you have to try to focus on a new task. You have to listen, you have to make a decision, you have to give an order and you have to wait to see what they come back to you with. And then you have to try to go back to the task you were doing. Task switching, we lose a lot of time doing that. So the takeaway is this. It's that unless and until you give somebody full ownership of the process and all the mistakes that may occur in the process, this speaks to having great systems and manuals and things like that. But until you do that, you'll always be creating a big bucket of more decisions for yourself. That's why it's called the deciding phase. So to move to the next D, which is true delegation, true delegation, You've got to reward the employee for taking ownership of that task, not just the outcome. The outcome is usually what we hand off. Hey, I need you to do X, Y, or Z. And if they don't get the right outcome, that's usually when we chastise them. Oh, why didn't this, why didn't you do it that way? And then that's when they start coming to us more and we have to make more decisions. So you have to give people full ownership of the task, not just the outcome. If you only give them ownership of the outcome, when they mess up or they don't live up to our ideal, your ideal, they will feel it. And most likely, if you're like everybody else in this world, they'll hear it. And what does it do? Well, it breeds hesitancy in the person who's supposed to be helping you, which means they'll be coming to you every time to make sure that they're doing it right. It's our fault. You haven't delegated at this point. You've only created another layer of management and decision-making for yourself. And they're going, they're humans, just like us. They're going to make mistakes and errors. And by the way, that's how they grow. Just like how we grow and how we grew to the level and the phase that we're at now. You have to allow that for them. You have to celebrate and reward people when they take ownership of the process and the outcomes and even celebrate when they make a mistake. This is a tough one. But celebrate it. Tell people, you know what? You took initiative. Good job. It's not the outcome I was looking for, but you know what? We learned something. And mistakes are opportunities for growth and for coaching. And mistakes are evidence of progress on the road to success. True delegation. Again, I'm going to throw that word true in there. True delegation is not just the removal of the task from your task list. We don't just want task rabbits. There are things we need task rabbits for. Hey, just go pick up my dry cleaning. That's a task rabbit. But true delegation is not just the removal of the task from the task list. It's the removal of the decision-making process that comes with that task. The goal is to shift the responsibility from you to them. The key word being responsibility. If people are punished for making wrong decisions, they'll keep coming back to you for the right decisions every single time. And you'll never be able to move to the next level. And the next level is where it gets fun, in my opinion.
I mean, true delegation is fun. But the next level is, or the next D, is the designing phase. We went from doing to deciding to realizing, nope, we need delegation, true delegation. And then we get to move to the designing phase. The designing phase is that phase in your life and your business when you are spending more time on on designing the flow, the systems, and the processes of the business and less time on the doing and the deciding. That's why we call it the designing phase. So preferably, if I get my way with your business, you're not doing any of the doing at this point. Any of my, my coaching members will know. That's usually what we're aiming for, and it's usually what I'm yelling at you about. Stop doing all the doing. we got to ease you out each, each week, month, and year. And, and I know some of you resist me with everything you've got on this, and you insist on doing the doing at least a little bit. And quite often, you'll insist that it's because you're needed for your expertise. This is the expertise myth. Well, Blaine, I'm the only one who can do it. I'm the smartest one here. I have so much experience. But what almost never gets revealed over time is that it's really an identity issue. It's not just an expertise issue. Expertise, by its very definition, comes with experience. What it is, it's an identity issue. Because it feels really good to be needed and to be the expert and to be recognized for some kind of specialized knowledge. I run into this all the time. You've gotten so used to being applauded for your expertise that when you move to the designing and the directing roles and not the doing, the evolution of your identity hasn't caught up yet. And all of a sudden you're laying there in bed staring up at the ceiling going, I was known for all this time. And this happened to me. I've talked about in prior podcasts when I sold my martial arts business that I did for 20 plus years. And I had a whole massive entourage of people who would follow me around and carry my bags and call me sensei. And then all of a sudden I didn't have that anymore. I didn't know who I was. Your, your identity has to catch up or evolve with you. So you still think of yourself. You still see yourself. You still identify with yourself as the doer. That's what you're known for, and it's what you've built your identity around. If you want to go to new identity, excuse me, new levels of anything in life, you are going to have to get comfortable with evolving your identity as well. It's just that simple. If you can't imagine yourself as somebody other than who you are today, you'll never be able to grow and sustain some new level. If you can see yourself as the business builder, the business designer, the business director, instead of the doer of the thing that the business does, well, then you can delegate effectively and you can move on to more important roles like process and systems building and then directing the flow of all the things the business is designed to do. When you're in the designing and the directing roles, your job is to manage and make decisions based on the numbers, based on the feedback. Maybe your job is to make it rain from time to time. It's a role I still play in a business I started. Your job is to direct the flow, and your job is to make adjustments to the systems from your vantage point, which is typically higher up. You can see the whole thing. Your vantage point of somebody who works on the business, not necessarily in it. And I will say it again, a successful business cannot rely on you to operate daily. That doesn't mean that you don't add tremendous value by being who you are. It means that day-to-day, the day-to-day business, the doing of the work can't rely on you for its success. If it does, what happens if you can't run the business? Now, to be clear, as I mentioned at the beginning, Mike Michalowicz stops at the designing phase. He, he, he has four Ds. He calls the fourth D doing Deciding, 
delegating, and designing, with the designing part being the epitome of success. And I disagree, as I often do. I think there are actually two more Ds in the process, one of them being the directing phase, which I coupled with designing. Designing and directing. You help design, and then there's another phase where you just get to direct, like an orchestra. And at some point, the major designing is done. That's why I think it can't stop with the designing. At some point, the law of, of uh, diminishing returns kicks in, and you can only design incremental increases into the system. The major designing is done, and all you have to do is direct the flow. The practice time is over, and it's time to direct the performance. Now, the other D that I said I would share with you, the secret D, the sixth D in this whole process is the done phase. It's finished. It's done. It's doing what it needs to do without you, and you're done. Now, what, what do you do? This is usually where identity issues come in. What would I do, Blaine? If it's done, what do I do? Well, you can sell the business. I say it all the time. You're already buying the business every single day with your, your time. You're trading your time and your life energy and your family time and everything else for the business. Is it worth it? But you could sell the business. If you've built up those systems and processes, there's a market for almost every business, especially if you've pulled the owner out. If it doesn't count on you, if you're not the major clog in the machine, you could sell it. You can keep the business and just keep directing. You can walk away and get checks in the mail each month. You could start another business, but it's effectively done. And any further input from you would just be considered meddling for your own amusement, which some people do. They just tinker, constantly tinkering with the business, and that's okay. As long as the tinkering is, is uh, adding some kind of incremental improvements, not only to the bottom line, but also to the lives of the people, the orchestra, the people doing the doing. We talk about the four S's of, of the life cycle of a business. The four S's are the security phase. Maybe I should call them the phases. The security phase, the stability phase, the success phase, and the significance phase. Learn those from Joe Stumpf, one of my real estate coaches. Security phase is when you're just scrap, you're just scrambling for money. You're surviving. Let's call it the survival phase. The stability phase is when you've got enough business coming in, you can actually maybe start to hire some people and you can see the flow. You're not worried day to day about survival, about eating. The success phase is when you've stepped away. If we were if we were relating it to the four or five or six D's, we would say this is the, the delegation and the directing phase. That's the success phase of your business. You can kind of step back and just direct the flow. You've designed it and you can direct it. And then the significance phase is kind of the done phase in the, the 60s. That's where you step back and you realize that significance in life, in your communities, in the world, is more important. I don't mean your, your brand, where you're known. I mean, you start to think about significance. You start to think about helping people more. You start to think about giving more of your resources and thinking, how significant am I in the world? What kind of changes am I making? Am I making the world a better place? And you have the time, the freedom, and potentially the financial and economic resources to do that. Those are the four S's, whole different podcast. But they relate to these six D's, the doing, the deciding, the delegating, 
the directing, excuse me, designing and directing, and the done phase. Don't forget about the done phase. I ask my coaching students all the time, how will we know when it's done? Not just the business, but quite often tasks. We'll set goals. We'll set uh, achievement milestones. We will set daily and weekly tasks that we know we have to do to get toward that goal. And I'll always ask, okay, how will we know when it's done? How will you know that you are succeeding? How will you know if the goal is a worthwhile one, if it's not attached to, say, one of your core values? And how will you know when you've achieved it? Now, some things are easily quantifiable. You could say, well, I want to lose 20 pounds by Christmas. Okay, that's easily quantifiable. We'll know when it's done when you've lost 20 pounds. But as I say all the time when we use this example, what if it's the wrong 20 pounds? What if it's 20 pounds of muscle? And now you're in worse shape. You're in worse metabolic shape. You don't want to lose muscle. And yes, you've, it, it's gone from the scale, but it's gone from the best parts of your body. So you have to know what it looks like and when it will be done. Doing, deciding, delegating, designing, directing, and done. Speaking of done, my friends, until next week, I'm out. <laughs>